Welcome to Sports with a Cuppa. Cheers. <clears throat> All right, got a few things I want to talk about. Uh, first, NBA is back in action. So start with my Spurs. Uh, late game. Was uh, pretty tired watching it, but it was a good game. A very, very good game. A, a surprisingly good game coming out of the All-Star break. You always worry about teams getting being a little lethargic coming out of the break and having been on a little mini vacations and such. But it was the closest thing to a perfect game that we've probably had all year. We've had some good games, good wins, good individual performances, but team-wide, it was damn near perfect. Uh, Devin, 32 points on 13 of 18 shooting. Absolutely on fire. Seven assists as well. Just looked really good, really confident and aggressive. And I hope it's a sign of how he's going to finish this season. It doesn't have to average 30, but just consistent efficiency. You know, don't, you know, they have a game tonight again, and it's against the Lakers. They're going to, LeBron will be playing. He didn't play last night. And so I don't want to see him go two for 14. That's been his issue the past couple of years is he can have the 30 point game and he can turn right around and have the one for 12, two for 14 stinker. And I, I just really don't want to see that. I, I hope he gets on a roll here these last 30-ish games. However many games are left. But, I mean, like I said, it was team-wide near perfection. Jeremy, great game. 16, 8 rebounds, 2 steals. The steal he had on Darren Fox late in the game was, was beautiful. It was just a big play. Jeremy has the ability to make big plays. And he's, he's cutting to the basket more, giving himself more opportunities to finish strong. Had a couple close uh, misses at the rim. He left a couple of things short. Some just popped out. I mean, it's just the way the game goes sometimes. Uh, Trey Jones, 10 and 9. Efficient shooting. Champagne, finally the big dunk I've been waiting for since Summer League. Been waiting for him to throw a big one down. It's been in there. It's been coming. But also chipped in with two early threes, which is huge for him because he seems to be one of those guys where if he misses that first three-point attempt, he may try one more He or he may not shoot again for the rest of the night. So having that first one go down, giving him some confidence, makes another one early, and then he just plays well for the rest of the game. Uh, Keldon chipping in with 18 off the bench. Started off a little slow, but man, you get him in that second half and fourth quarter, and he just the fight comes out of him, and he really focuses in, hits big shots, makes a lot of good effort plays. A couple of timely threes from Malachi and Chetty were nice. Uh,. I leave Wimby for last because, you know, one of six from three on a night where 
you know, Sean and Dan on the broadcast made uh, made great points. They came out and they weren't taking a lot of three pointers, and they're playing more with. It seemed like as a team, they're just playing more within themselves and not trying to be like Golden State and Dallas and uh, who else, uh, Boston, who shoots a lot of threes. Right now, that's just not our skill set. We don't have the quality and efficient three-point shooters that these other teams have. It's it's not our forte, and that's okay. We still almost beat a really good team. Uh, a little bit better shot selection, a little more efficient shooting from Wimby, and who knows? I mean, I don't like playing the what-if game, but if you had to circle the one kind of negative... It was just his, it was his shooting. But that's kind of be expected coming off of the extended break. And uh, I don't want to say that Sacramento played any kind of amazing defense on him. But, you know, he had to work pretty hard for what he did get. 19 and 13, 4 assists, 5 blocks, 5 steals. One assist away from a 5x5. Five five. Everybody's talking about that. But just you know, still a solid game from him. But, you know, credit Sacramento. Their, their main guys, Darren Fox, Sabonis, Malik Monk. I mean, they make plays. They ran pick and roll really well. And they just... And Darren Fox just doesn't want to miss in the fourth quarter, so... It is what it is, but it's a nice game, and I hope they're able to keep that going into tonight. Lakers team is a team that we did beat before. Um, I think, what was it, the first game we kind of let slip away against Anthony Davis, then the next night they switched, and it was LeBron, and we won that game. Going to see them both t- tonight. Probably, I think, actually, Lakers should be pretty much completely healthy. So a good test it's, it's a very beatable Lakers squad but it's going to be hard to stop both LeBron and Davis another game last night that caught my attention uh, was the Knicks game I, I'm, I'm really interested in the Knicks going forward because of the moves they've made the way they were playing before they caught a little bit of a losing streak before the All-Star game, they were really, really red hot and winning. Not just winning the games they're supposed to, but beating good teams. And the production they got from just everybody, Precious Achua, 18 and 11, DiVincenzo, 16, Josh Hart, 18 and 12, He's the best rebounding guard in the league, so that's not a surprise. The surprise would be the 44 minutes he played. That's a lot of minutes for a regular season game. But then you get 10 rebounds and and a block from my guy Jericho Sims off the bench. Bogdanovich comes off the bench and chips in 6 of 6 from 3. And I just think about what this team could be like when fully healthy. When you get Mitchell Robinson back, when you get OG back, that's going to move Hartenstein to the bench. That's going to move either Josh Hart or DiVincenzo to the bench. I think it's been Josh Hart for most of the year. So that's and you are and you have Alec Burks back there as well. That's a lot of quality 
coming off the bench, and that's what you're going to need to make a deep playoff run. I think they're poised to make that deep playoff run. I know Becky Hammond doesn't believe in Jalen Brunson, but I kind of do. I kind of do. Oh, and they didn't even have Randall available either. So, I think they could... I think they're probably going to be the team that challenges Boston the most. I don't fully believe in Cleveland yet. But I do believe in New York because I think they're coached the right way. I think they play the right way. And they're deep. Probably not as deep as Boston. And they don't... I would still give the edge to Tatum being the best player probably in the Eastern Conference. But Boston still has to prove that they can continue the pace they've been playing with, that their style of play will work in the playoffs, and that they can get over the hump and get back to the finals. So that remains to be seen, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking the Knicks Kool-Aid a little bit. Another interesting story that came about yesterday was Jordan Poole getting benched. So all year long, I've seen a few Wizards games and they've played the Spurs twice. And the one thing I've noticed, um, Jordan Poole's not the same guy we saw with the Warriors. I think he truly benefited from being in that system because so much attention is paid elsewhere. And now that he's the guy, or at least one of them with Kuzma, he just doesn't seem I just he's just not the guy. Uh you know, early on in the season he's he was doing a lot of antics, trying to be Steph Curry. And I think he's starting to I think the franchise has realized, okay, this is not the guy we thought we were getting. He still doesn't seem to realize that he's not Steph Curry. I mean, he's only, he's shooting 30%. I mean, this was, he's, with Golden State, he was one of the most dangerous three-point shooters. And now it's almost like, just do whatever you want to do. Still a quality basketball player, but just incredibly inefficient. Yeah, he's he's scoring the least amount of points per game since his second year in the league. 15 points a game. He's only shooting 30% from three. And he's taking about six and a half, which is less than what he was doing in Golden State. But again, good shooting's contagious. When Steph Curry's out there dancing and hitting 30-footers... It just makes the game easier for you, and you can shoot with more confidence. Over here in Washington, he's trying to be the man, and he just isn't. I just don't think he is. And now you can't even move him because, one, he's got a new contract, and, two, the value isn't there now. They Golden State may have uh, fleeced Washington a little bit there. And also, it doesn't seem like he's attacking this with the same attitude like clay thompson is clay thompson gets moved to the bench 
He immediately references Manu Ginobili, which is awesome. Comes out against Utah and drops, what, 32, 35? Now, last night against the Lakers, he went 1 of 9. Not a good performance. I didn't see much of that game because the Spurs were playing at the same time. But if he can find the middle ground between the Lakers game and the Jazz game, I think he's going to have a solid finish to the season coming off the bench. Now, his attitude could also be helped by the fact that he knows, hey, I can do a couple months of this and then I'm going to hit free agency. Go get me a little bag and then I can go and get a bigger role somewhere else. And who knows? That could be in the back of his head. I don't know. I have no clue how he's thinking about this summer, but that could be one of the reasons why he's able to handle the situation better than Jordan. But I do like the fact that teams are starting to be like, hey, you know what? Just because you're a big name and you're high paid doesn't afford you the right to anything. If we feel like you're coming off the bench is best for us, then that's what we're going to do. And I, I like that. It's going to ruffle feathers, but it is what it is. All right, going to talk about the All-Star game a little bit more because it's still being talked about. Everybody who wants to fix it. The problem is everybody wants to recapture what it was back in the 90s and early 2000s. I can't tell you how many times I've seen the video reposted about the finish of the was the 2001 or 2002 All-Star game. It's just not going to happen. You can't get these guys to want to compete in a meaningless game. It doesn't count for anything. Back then, it was about pride and, and proving you're the best in the world. But these guys, I think this generation understands that you're not going to get the props for playing the best in the All-Star game. Your only props are going to come from winning championships. Which is really the way it should be. But they have that realization. So it's like, I'm not going to go out there and kill myself and risk injury for a game that doesn't count. Again, the season in-season tournament works because these are already regular season games. These are already games that they are truly being paid for that are truly their main job priority. So compensating them is not going to work. Putting them against a EuroLeague All-Star team is not going to work. They'll just find ways to get out of it. I think it needs to just be a weekend celebration of the game. Um, more community outreach, more fan interaction. Just things that celebrate basketball, celebrate the guys that earn the all-star nod and community engagement with whatever city that's hosting. You know, I, I still say it should be like a Comic-Con 
and be able to go and get autographs and pictures. Because I'll tell you right now, as a kid, if you had asked me, like, hey, do you want to go and sit and watch the game, or do you want to actually go and shake his hand and get a picture? I'll take shake the hand and get the picture. I mean, me personally. Yeah, one of my favorite things to tell people is I've shaken hands with the Punisher. You know, I went to Comic-Con, I got a picture with John Bernthal, my buddy Seth, and I shook his hand. And I could tell everybody I've shaken hands with the Punisher. That's one of the coolest things I can tell people. So how cool would it be to be able to go to an All-Star Weekend event and shake hands with LeBron James? That'd be epic. But I'm also a little old school and I respect what the handshake is supposed to mean. Yeah, I think it's uh, from what that Ocean's Thirteen movie. I think with the one with Al Pacino talking about um, shaking hands with Sinatra and what that's supposed to mean. Like, I buy into that. I buy into that. So, I think Adam Silver, as quickly as possible, should come out and say, "Hey, going forward, we're eighty six in an All Star game." We're going to just have a fun weekend. And maybe even 86 the dunk contest. I could take or leave the damn dunk contest. I just don't care. The best idea I saw on social was Team Steph Curry with LeBron. Uh, not with LeBron. With Steph Curry with Sabrina. And Dame with Caitlin Clark. And have a three-point competition between them, those, two, those four as teams. That would be cool. Stuff like that, innovative, creative things to do that are somewhat competitive but still more fun and and less risky of injuries. I think players would get behind it. Players Association would get behind it. You still have the all-star selection, so it doesn't change contract bonuses or anything like that. Hey, that's a good way forward. But Silver needs to do it quickly and not continue on hoping that you're going to catch magic one of these years because you're just not <laughs> okay a funny story out of baseball what the hell is going on with the uniforms all of a sudden it, every day it's been complaints about the uniforms they're cheap they feel cheap the stitching is different the pants are see-through uh, okay first of all pants being see-through, look, there's only one ball I want to see when I watch baseball this year, and that's the baseball. So if these pants need to change, they need to change now. But it's just, it's hilarious. I, I don't know if I should really take this story serious. I mean, I don't, I, I own like two baseball jerseys. I don't wear them that much. But I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they're they're thicker material. They don't feel cheap at all because they weren't cheap. So I, I would have to get my hands on these new ones made by Nike. Well, they're designed by Nike, but manufactured by Fanatics because Fanatics is like buying their rights to everything sports and baseball related. So I don't know. But then at the same time, I'm hearing certain players say, hey, they're breathable. They're going to be more performance-like. They, they're actually pretty comfortable, yada, yada, yada. Like, there's some that are kind of towing the company line here. And then there's a bunch that are saying, these suck. So, I, I it's funny. I think it's just funny. 
a funny issue coming into the baseball season. Nobody wants to complain about the Dodgers spending a billion dollars in free agency, so they're going to complain about the uniforms. But let's switch now to NFL, because surprisingly, there was a little, I don't want to say, not headlines, but a little food for thought put out there by Aaron Schatz of uh, ESPN, put out a bold moves for all 32 teams on ESPN.com. And some of them are pretty interesting. And a big, one of the main ones centered around Justin Fields, and Justin Fields has been a topic of conversation for a while now because the you know Bears are sitting there with the number one pick. You're sitting here with Justin Fields, who has gotten better each year. Not substantially better, but a little better. But most people blame the team, the coaching. So the idea Aaron Schatz put out there with a number of teams was to trade for Fields. And the teams he threw out there, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay. <clears throat> now Atlanta and Pittsburgh to me makes sense. Uh, Pittsburgh needs a boost to their offense. They changed. Uh, they didn't change offensive coordinators, but they changed play callers, and their offense got better. But the quarterback situation is kind of up in the air of who the starter should be. So if they feel like Fields could be an upgrade for them. Yeah, that'd probably be a good move. Uh, Atlanta definitely could use an upgrade quarterback. You have a premier running back back there in B. John Robinson, my dude. So that makes sense. Tampa Bay doesn't make sense to me. And I don't understand the hate towards Baker Mayfield. Now, I can understand if you don't like him because he went to OU. That's perfectly acceptable, and nobody likes OU. I'm saying that as a Longhorn fan, so you can take that with a pinch of salt. But uh, but that would be my only knock on Baker. Uh, but this dude wins games. He won games for, for Cleveland, and they gave up on him. Last year, he gets Tampa Bay to the playoffs. Come on. Like, I, I just, I don't understand why. I just don't understand. I don't understand why teams want to give up on Baker. I really don't. Seems like a good guy. And he's a good quarterback. Now, the only thing that's going to hurt him is if Mike Evans leaves. Now, Aaron brings up the idea that Kansas City should sign Mike Evans. Funny enough, at the trade deadline last season, I said Kansas City should trade for Mike Evans. So, we're on the same wavelength here. And I'm telling you right now, that is just so unfair if Kansas City signs one of the best wide receivers in the league. That's just that's gonna be so unfair. I mean, it's fair because they can do that. I mean, anybody can sign them. But like you win the Super Bowl, your wide receiver core isn't great, and then you're gonna add the bet one of the best wide receivers. Like yeesh. The rich get richer, man. See, that's what's going to make people hate Kansas City even more. They're they're this era's Patriots, and then they're going to 
go out and get a Randy Moss. Like, you guys suck. <laughs> and then another one, because obviously as a Cowboys fan, got to look at what the suggestions always are for the Cowboys. And his was cutting Michael Gallup. This one hurts me. This one hurts a little bit because I liked Michael Gallup. He was having such a good year before he got hurt. Comes back from the injury with a new contract. But then Brandon Cooks being, you know, fully healthy, being able to ascend to that, really solidify himself to as a number two receiver. Then Gallup just really didn't get a lot of passes thrown his way. And maybe it's a good move going forward if they feel like in this system, yeah, it's really going to be Lamb or Cooks or one of the tight ends getting the ball for the most part. Then you can easily draft a quality wide receiver three, right? You should, I mean, unless your scouts suck, you should be able to find a decent guy. Or maybe you can get Deuce Vaughn involved more in the passing game. I don't know. But it doesn't totally help their cap situation but it would create a little bit of cap space you know you can use that to go and fill some of the holes that I constantly talk about um so it'd be a shame if they had to do that if they did that but if they but i can understand doing that though he's not quite living up to that contract number whether it's his fault or not, it might just be the right move to make. Uh, related to the Cowboys, there's more stuff coming out. Uh, running back wise, you know, a few weeks back talked about Derrick Henry and the possibility of signing him. Now people want are talking about hey trade for Saquon Barkley. Understand while putting a big name running back back there will help to a degree at least add that threat at least at the beginning of games uh, that O-line still is not getting the push and creating the running lanes needed for those running backs whoever it is to get good yardage if they don't solve the O-line it doesn't matter who they put back there it just doesn't so paying a big name running back probably not a good idea trading players and assets for a running back probably not a good idea would i be shocked if they did it no because that's straight up jerry jones's alley but hopefully somebody's in the room saying hey you know tony pollard's not a bad running back and yet he couldn't we couldn't get him going why was that Maybe it's your overpaid offensive line not quite doing their job. Just saying. Could be wrong, but I'm just, but not usually. But you never know. So that's that's going to be something to look forward to because we're about, what, two months away from the draft? So that's going to be interesting to see what happens. But we'll wrap it up there. Appreciate you listening. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel coming soon.